So in order to get this started today, I'm going to have to get us all kind of caught up on what led up to the circumstance that Elijah found himself in that Pastor Mike read about. See, Elijah had just come off of a major spiritual victory for God, a victory that saw him defeat 450 of Baal's prophets. I mean, and this wasn't just some small victory either. He utterly humiliated Ahab and Jezebel. I mean, this victory was decisive. If you've watched a football game and saw the end of the game celebrations, if you've seen the exaggerated pose of a professional wrestler after one of their matches, if you've seen an Ocho Cinco Chad Johnson touchdown celebration, that that's probably how Elijah was walking out of this situation. I could see him walking out like this. He had just scored a major victory. And it seems like it might have been a few hours, maybe a day or so, the victory celebration had ended. It was quickly replaced with depression. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this time that we have together to discuss your word, to discuss what you would have us to talk about, to worship you, to spend time together. Lord, as we begin today, I ask that you would open each person here's hearts, minds, and ears to receive what you would have them to receive from today's lesson. And as always, I ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So today we're going to talk about depression. And it's probably the most common human problem. It's something that we all experience at some part of, in our life. The fact is, Elijah wasn't even the only man in Scripture to experience depression. We had David, we had Jeremiah. Jonah, Job, and Moses, to name a few, they all experienced depression at some level. And these men, I mean, a lot of times we read about the people in the Bible and we think of these people as being superheroes. These people weren't superheroes. They're just like us. As a matter of fact, James 5.17 says, I part that Elijah was a human being with the same nature as us. So the same is true for everyone in Scripture that's true for us today. And Elijah's depression was triggered by one sentence. Depression can be triggered by a lot of things. But in Elijah's case, and, and looking at Elijah today, it was triggered by one sentence. And that was one sentence by Jezebel, somebody he didn't even care about. She wrote to him or sent message to him. So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. That's all it took. Let that be a warning or a caveat to watch your own words too. But in, in this case, it, it was intentional. Pastor Mike talked last week and he talked a little bit again this morning, that almost every person who took part in the baptism in the Miami River was experiencing spiritual attacks. 
I don't know if those were physical attacks, if they were attacks on someone's health or attacks on someone's mental health as far as um, depression and that goes, but that I have no doubt that that's the case because that's one of Satan's favorite tools to use. He, he wants to steal our joy and the peace that we have in God. And depression is one of the easiest ways to do that. And while everything happens first in the spiritual world, some depression is caused by other things. Being sick or tired can open us up as well. We can be opened up by too much activity. We can be opened up to depression by not enough activity. But in Elijah's case, he was physically tired. We're told in 1 Kings 18.46 that Elijah ran. After defeating the prophets, he ran. The distance he ran wasn't a city block or even a, the distance of a 5K or even a marathon for that matter. The distance between the two cities that Elijah ran was about 100 miles. God had given him strength, we're told, to run the distance that he ran, which happened to be 100 miles. Now Job, on the other hand, we know that his depression was triggered by the experience of the great loss of both his family and his wealth. But not only that, but he lost his health as well. He was ill and in pain. So these physical and emotional ailments that Job experienced could lead anyone to go down the path of depression. In John 10.10, Jesus refers to Satan as a thief who comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And depression is a good way for him to do this. Because it affects us in all these ways. It affects our view of God. We start to look at all the things that aren't going right for us, all those things that are going wrong. And when we're looking for them, when we're looking to find fault, it's easy to find. If you look, you don't even have to look close enough. If you start looking for things to go wrong, things are going to go wrong. When we look for them, we find them. And then we start to take a negative view of God. We start to think, well, maybe God doesn't care as much as he said he does. Or maybe he just wants to be mean to us. Or sometimes our view can be affected in other ways. We can think that maybe God can't help us. Maybe God is unable to fulfill his promises. But when we start having depression, that's one of the things that is attacked, is our view of God. We start to see God as less than what he is. It also steals our joy. When David was going through one of his bouts with depression, he cried out to God in one of his psalms. He says, restore the joy of my salvation. It's hard to truly experience joy if we're always thinking of the worst thing that can happen. It's hard to experience joy 
if we're looking and expecting that. It's hard to experience joy when we have a hard time finding happiness sometimes. There's a big difference between joy and happiness. We always have joy, and a lot of people will try to over-spiritualize and say that it's joy that counts. And that's true, but happiness counts as well. We have to find some form of happiness as well. But it steals our joy when we just can't get our mind right. Depression also kills our motivation. See, I don't know about you, but I know that the one thing is, is when I'm going through something, when I'm going through a, a bout with depression, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to... I mean, things that I love to do, I just don't want to do them. I lack motivation. I don't want to go for a run. I don't want to go to martial arts. I don't want to even, a lot of times, even pick up a, a Bible and read a Bible. I just want to lay in bed and sleep. When depression hits me, that's what I want to do. But that's also the worst thing I can do. Isolating ourselves only leads to the growth of that depression. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. It also destroys the, God, the gifts that God gives us. So this kind of goes along with the last one, because depression renders us useless. If we have a poor view of God, if we don't have joy, if we can't see our joy, if we lack motivation, we can't be use, of use to God. It would be hard to get up and, and uh, minister to someone else if you're not believing what you're, if you're so depressed that you're not believing what you're trying to minister to someone else. And, well, this, it's been really, this message has been really depressing so far, but don't, don't worry, I'm getting ready to turn it around here. See, fortunately, in everything that Elijah went through, God also shows us how to deal with depression. It says in 1 Kings 19, 4 and 5, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for... I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And jumping down to the next verse, Elijah looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. So what happened here? First thing Elijah did was he prayed. Two, and then two times we're told that Elijah slept, and two times Elijah ate. 
Psalm 23 tells us that the Lord makes us lie down and that he prepares a table for us. And that's what happened here. Sometimes, and I had mentioned earlier, sometimes when I go through a bout of depression, I just want to lay down and do nothing. And it's kind of what Elijah did, which is good if you've sought God the way Elijah did. But my biggest fault was and is sometimes I don't even do that. So sometimes when we're depressed, though, the best thing we can do is first cry out to God, let him know what's going on, let him know how we're feeling, and then take a nap and have a snack. Sometimes that's all it takes. But I also don't want to minimize that a lot of times it's a lot greater than that. There's other times when it takes more. And there's a few times when other action may need to occur as depression, well, it is a sickness. There's a few things about it. Um, number one, and, and this is kind of a, a bad thing, but one of the problems is, is a lot of people, especially, there's a stigma that goes along with depression or any kind of mental issue. But so we need to keep in mind that now the people in Scripture also suffered from this. Now, as a matter of fact, the Greek word for depression is catatholipsy, which is also the word that means to make an indentation. In other words, it's making an indentation into the soul of the person who is experiencing it. Keep in mind, too, depression is not a sin. A lot of times we tend to want to, um, as Christians, there's actually been pastors who have stood up at the pulpit and said that you cannot be a Christian and be depressed. Well, that's not true. If you go through Scripture, you'll see that there were many people that were um, depressed throughout Scripture. And it's not a sin. Matter of fact, it's something that it affects 350 million adults worldwide. So you, if you're going through something, if you, when you battle through it, there's no shame in going through it. The thing is, is the world also tends to put a, a stigma. We'll sit here in church, and, and it's good. We'll pray for physical ailments. We'll pray for bad backs, we'll pray for bad hearts, bad lungs, we'll pray for anything that someone's experiencing. But a lot of times we're ashamed to step forward and, and ask someone to pray for us if we're experiencing something such as a depression or an anxiety or something like that. We're afraid to step forward and ask for prayer for that because of the the stigma, and that's one of the things that we do need to get over. And reach out to someone when we know that we're experiencing something. But as I said, 350 million adults worldwide. And many who have it, they feel isolated. And, and here's a shocker, and I know a couple years ago, 
this came out about, uh, they said that you could have um, COVID and not know it. Well, and it's the same thing with depression. You can be depressed and not know it. But whatever the level is, whether it's a spiritual attack, whether it's something that's uh, in the physical realm, no matter what, we should always start with prayer. We should always seek God, our loving Father, first and foremost. And sometimes God himself will show up and help us, or sometimes he'll send someone. He sent the angel to help Elijah. Sometimes, too, other people don't know that you're going through it, too, but pray for God to lead you to someone, uh, if it be his will, to lead you to someone to, that's the right person. Because as well-intended as a lot of people are, Everyone might not be the right person for a specific time. Think about Job's friends, for instance. They certainly weren't encouraging. And I've actually run into people like that. They actually make you feel worse by the time they're done talking to you. Anyways, pray first. Reach out to someone. Galatians 6, 2 says to bear one another's burdens. And someone can't help you bear your burdens if they don't know you have them. Ask for prayer. James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray for over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, James isn't just talking about the, the physical here. I talked about the, the mental and, and the emotional before. James is talking about those of what as well. If you're, um, dealing with, struggling with issues like that, and I hate to use the word, if your mind is sick, but but it's a sickness that's, or an illness that's um, goes on, and it's something that, When we're experiencing it, we need to reach out to the elders of the church, reach out to the people that can help to pray for us. James also tells us we have not because we ask not. So a lot of times, if we're not getting the prayer we need, it's because we, we haven't asked for it. I know that every week we... Um, just about every church I've been to, there is a altar call at the end of the week. If you want someone to pray for you, if you need prayer, come up and, and the pastors or in some cases some of the deacons and the elders of the church will come up and, and pray for you. And we're happy to do that. And if you don't want to come up, you can contact your pastor or someone else in the church privately and they'll pray with you privately. But we also, whenever we're battling this, we need to remember too. We need to remind ourselves who we are, whose we are. If you've made a profession, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, 
You're God's. You're a child of God. Romans 8.16 tells us that. It says that you're children of God. 1 John 1, 4-7 says that whoever loves has been born of God. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus calls you the light of the world. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. So whatever you're going through, God has some very high opinions of you. God has put you in high places. You're co-heirs with Christ. You're God's beloved child. And you're of great value. He sees value in you that you don't even see in yourself. And he thinks so much of you that he did send Jesus to die on the cross for, for you. As a matter of fact, if you were the only person that ever sinned, God would have still sent Jesus to die on the cross to save you. Another thing whenever we're experiencing things is to remind ourselves of past times that God's come through for us. And this is what so many of the Psalms talk about. It's that, first it's that anguished cry to God, but then there's the remembrance of the times that God brought the, the psalmist through the things that he was going through. Depression is a, is a heavy burden for anyone to have to bear. But it's not one that we have to bear alone. It's not one that we should bear alone. We have a loving and supportive Heavenly Father, and we have loving and supportive brothers and sisters in Christ here. So there are people who want to be there for you. Even when you feel like no one else knows or maybe even cares, Psalm 34, 18 is a great reminder for us. It says that the, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. So when we feel that crushing pressure that's coming on us, remember that the Lord is close. He's close by. Proverbs 18, 24 says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God's always there. He's that friend you need. He's that loving parent that you need. He's the one that you can confide in. He's also put other people in our lives. There was a story of a little boy who was afraid of the dark. So the lights were out. It was nighttime. He jumps out of his bed. He runs to his parents' room. Daddy, I'm, I'm afraid of the dark. Go back to bed, son. Jesus is there. So the little boy goes back to bed. 
He comes back a second time. Mommy, I'm scared of the dark. Go back to bed, son. Jesus is there. But I need someone with skin on. And that's true. Jesus is always there, and God's always there for us. But don't neglect the fact that sometimes we need someone with skin on, someone that we can visibly see there to support us. So if you're going through something, if this is something that you battle occasionally, or if it's something that is an ongoing battle, just know that you're not alone. There's many things that we as a church family can help with, but even if we can't help you with it, we can guide you to a person who can help you. We can guide you to people that are um, trained to help in this sort of thing. There are Christian counselors out there to help if it's something you're going through. Now, I don't know. I, I just feel like this message here was for somebody. I don't know who. And that's between them and God, maybe more than one person, but I just felt the leading as I was putting it together today that somebody really needed to hear this. So um, that's it for my message. I'm going to close in prayer. And if anyone does need to talk to someone, we're here to talk to you and we're here to support you.